When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome in to the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. I'm John Vogel, your host. Justin about to join me here in just a second. We're going to actually talk about some prospects today because guess what? We're a month and a half into the season. We spent the offseason getting you ready, talking about what we're looking for. Now we get to apply all that knowledge and start looking forward into the 2024 NFL Draft. And it's going to be a fun draft. It's going to be a fun draft, guys. Shane, back in the studio. Let's go ahead. Hit it. Turn up your volume because you're about to listen to the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel. With the first pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the first pick in the 2022 NFL Draft, with the first pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the sickest NFL Draft show. It's going to be sick. And we're back. Joining us now is Mr. Justin Gamble at Gam Scout on X. If you partake in such different things, uh, you follow me at Draft Vogel. You can follow this show at Sick Pod NFL Draft. Uh, Justin, how's it going, man? This is a good day, buddy. This is the NHL regular season start. So, at, uh, yep, at that time of recording. Yep, not we exactly are... what we talk about on this show all the time. But for you know me and producer Shane in Canada, this is a big day for us. So, oh, it's a big day. Hey, hey, hey. Okay, okay. You're Who a national you fan. It's not that big of a day for you. So, come down. We're, we are opening day one, game What's one. What's the no, score? Like one did nothing. What's the shot? You know. Hey, we're opening. We're opening. Yeah. We're going to take it. It would be better if it was in Nashville, in you know, with the. It, at Bridgestone, but you know, it just is what it is. Yeah. Hey, so before we get into this episode, we definitely have to do a quick little shout out to DraftKings. The NFL season is going strong, and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking up new customers with an offer that's even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets. Justin, that's a lot in bonus bets. And DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweeter offer every game day this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code SICKSPORTS. Get that. Code SICKSPORTS. New customers can score $200 instantly. That's a good. That's good. $200. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. You know, so... so I actually had a friend that started betting years ago because of me. And I told him to go to DraftKings, download the app. And this is before I, you know, before this, this is years ago. I think the Chiefs were playing the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl. And I said, put it all on the Buccaneers. And guess what? He put, yeah, he took his $5, he put it on the Buccaneers, and he got $200 back in instant bets, you know? So that's the kind of thing that you can do with DraftKings. And, and it's user friendly. My mom Absolutely. uses it all the time. She'll text me every Sunday morning, like, "What's my parlay?" And I'm like, "What happened?" <laughs> Your mom? <laughs> oh yeah, dude. She's a degenerate. So. Uh, apparently, we got We're all involved. degenerates now. Hey, oh, yeah. Tuesday night college football. I'm all in on all that stuff too. Wednesday night college football. Thursday night college football. We got it all for the rest of 
the college football season, I think. Yeah, so, because as soon as Conference USA finishes up this month in October, they're going to roll into Maction, and that's going to start uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Yeah, baby. There's some some real creatures come out for the Maction too. That's hey, they've been coming out for college for Conference USA too. <laughs> just going to say, yeah. like Western Kentucky's look good. Jacksonville State at the moment is still undefeated. Yeah. I mean, first year in the FBS. There's some players we could talk about on that at some point too, but maybe one actually. There's one that comes to mind, but yeah, no, it's a great deal. Yeah, but Justin, you said you wanted to start this thing off hot, so I'm just going to go ahead and let you take it. Like you well, said, I mean, you had something. We're going to talk about prospects today and stuff, but I, you know, I figured it'd be good of us to stick to our roots and revisit the past a little bit and okay. uh, just talk something about well, what I was reminded this week watching Miles Crosby yesterday. Uh, or Max Crosby, excuse me. Max Crosby, yeah. Max Crosby, I was about to yeah. Eastern you. Michigan, yeah. Sometimes, sometimes my daddy, my database betrays me. But, um, you know, he was a fourth round pick in 2019, and I think the weird thing is, is if he didn't play at Eastern Michigan, I think a lot of people had high grades on him. But it was kind of it's one of those things where it's difficult to go all in for a prospect that either doesn't produce super high, like super, you know, he's not outrageously racking up the stat sheet, which he actually did. He had great production in college, but a lot of guys that are either smaller school guys or that don't get the media hype, you almost feel like you're wrong simply because, you know, the, like the, the echo chamber is not saying what you want them to say. What I'm trying to get off this is I think a lot of people, uh, when you start scouting, we start evaluating. It's very difficult to, drown out everything outside and kind of give your own takes on things. And like media perception is huge. And I know personally, I've missed a lot on players just because I think they're overrated in the media. So now I hugely underrate them. And I was going back <laughs> in my notes. Yeah. And you know, I'm, you know, I'm guilty of this, right? Like oh, I like yeah. to push back oh, yeah. and it's, it's sometimes it's just, I hate that portion of the year when a player is so talked about that if you bring up if you you know you even question something about his game everyone you know calls you stupid or just says you're overthinking it and it takes all the nuance out of evaluating and i hate that part of it so i get caught in the you know the other side where i push back so i was going through my notes the other day and i realized i had the same grade on max crosby as i did as tj watt now I think here's the here's the problem. I was probably wrong on both because I thought Max Crosby would be a solid edge rusher. I thought he'd be uh, eight to ten sack guys his ceiling, and he'd probably be a complimentary guy. I thought the same thing about T.J. Watt. So I kind of met them in the middle because my perception was well, T.J. Watt's overrated. You know, take him down. Max Crosby, I can't go too high on because I'm missing something. No one else is having you know is this high on him. So even though I thought mm, there's a you know there's the wingspan, there's the elite get off, there's the Elite testing. Max Crosby blew up testing at the combine. Um, came out absolutely elite. But it's this thing of like the perceptions from the outside. It really creates, uh, like it, it creates just this environment where it's difficult for everyone to kind of think for themselves. So what I was going to ask you is, mine. I think that was my. Those are my two guys where I kind of crossed them over and met them in the middle, and I missed on both. I was way too low on T.J. Watt. I was probably too low on Max Crosby because I should have had them higher. I should have had them both as elite edge rushers because that's what they are now. But I missed on them because I was afraid to have my own opinion. Is there anyone like that? Is there anyone from the past that you can think, hey, I missed on them, I was too high, I missed on them, I was too low, and why? Was it you know? Was it similar circumstances for me? Or who are your, basically, who are your biggest yeah. misses 
what's your biggest hit? You yeah, know yeah. There, there is a t- particular type of quarterback that comes to mind, and it's one that we've seen have flashes in the NFL so far, right? So Baker Mayfield was a guy I thought he was worthy of the first overall pick. Yeah. I was all in on. I thought he was going to be the savior in Cleveland, and for a couple of years there, it looked like he had a real shot to be, you know. But what happened with Baker is Baker is really good off of play action. You know, uh, when you can get a running game going and you can support him and then give him opportunities to throw the ball down the field off that play action while the defense isn't quite in place, he's really good because his placement is not elite. That's the one thing about Baker that's he's going to always be a box accurate guy. He's got a quick release. He's got a lot of different things like that that work for him. But his placement is not elite. Uh, Because of that, that's going to limit you as a quarterback. You know, so... Maybe I was a little too low on Sam Howell coming out because Sam Howell is basically Baker Mayfield if you compare their skill sets together. I mean, even yeah, watching them similarly. play, they they move similarly. They throw the ball very similarly. The ball comes out of their hands and it ends up in the same place. They're very, very similar prospects in a sense of how you know they play the game, how you break down their traits and what they look like. They're almost identical. Yeah, sure. And they so, look the same, so... They really do. And they're the same yeah. size. I mean, like that was my comp for him was poor man's Baker Mayfield coming out of college. And for that reason, I bumped him way down my board and I didn't think he had a legitimate chance at starting in Washington. And here we are. As, I mean, he's two and three as a starter at this point. You but know, he looks this like year. a starter. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like he's an actual starting quarterback in the NFL. So, yeah, I think that sometimes that's that's the fine line is we want to over adjust when we miss or over adjust when we hit. You know, so Lamar Jackson was a guy I over-adjusted on maybe just a a tad bit. It ended up working out because the guy I over-adjusted on was Jalen Hurts. So, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that worked out. But it it goes back to sometimes guys have these traits that we look at and we go, hey, like, there's this – he reminds me of this guy and he didn't work out the way I thought he would, so now I'm going to knock him back. And instead, we got to sit back and try to keep the whole full picture. Okay, what can they do? How do you fit them in? Where could he fit up? I mean, like, I'm going to go ahead and say this, and I know that you're not there yet. I am. And because I think I actually talked about it on this show, Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is not going to have the greatest arm. He's not going to have the great plate ball placement. Yep. <clears throat> but he's getting better every game. He is. Yes, this last dead. game was the first time where I was like, "We got they got their guy." Um, you know, unless they're forced, like I think we were, I was tweeting this. Unless they're down by fourteen early, and they're like, "Shoot, we got to abandon. We got to go pure drop back. We got to you know kind of let the defense dictate the rules a little bit." I don't think we're going to see Brock Purdy get exposed, and that might just get them a Super Bowl. They might do it. I'm going to point out. Enough. I'm going to point out two guys from the past. One from the 49ers organization, who when he was drafted, he wasn't. He wasn't Mr. Irrelevant now. He was a third-round pick. But uh, when he was drafted, he didn't have the greatest arm. He wasn't big. But he got the ball to the playmakers. Now, he also developed elite placement. You know, this is Joe Montana I'm referring to. And won four Super Bowls. Okay, I don't know if Brock is going to get there. The other guy I'm going to point out, six-round pick. We all all know who he is, 2000. Never heard of him. Goes to the Patriots, wins the Super Bowl. Now, I think that if Tom Brady uh, tried to come out today 
like try to try, you know he's a six round pick wins a Super Bowl comes back the next year because if you remember that 2002 season the Patriots were not the same they struggled they missed the playoffs they were nine and seven that year and I think that if Tom Brady if that happened Tom Brady now like today in today's social media crazed patientless franchise okay. yeah he doesn't he doesn't get an opportunity to come back and win five more super bowls yeah. they move on they go get another guy because they're like oh yeah he's not it he's a six round pick we're done the 49ers are one of these organizations where everything is perfectly in place with the way that they have the playmakers build across the offense their defense is elite all you really have to be able to do is just come out here and be better every week and that's what purdy's doing right now He's yeah. getting better with every game. You're seeing him do more things that you hadn't seen him pull off yet. His placement's still not there, but he's flashing. It's getting better. If he doesn't have to drive the ball, his placement's fine. He can layer it in there beautifully. But mm-hmm. if you see him like really dial up his arm, you're like, oh shoot, that's not that's like that. And I think that was last last season was we saw him kind of testing it a lot, and that was when he had like nine should have been interceptions on tape where like. You rewind it and you're like, that is the worst throw he could have made. And somehow the defense didn't come up with it or it got tipped weird. But I those were the throws where I saw him like kind of speeding up his arm. And I'm like, he's trying, but it's not going to be there, buddy. And now I think he found his range and stick to it. And if Kyle Shanahan can stick him to that, I think he's fine. I think Maybe even more if they get fine. I think if they even get into a 14 point hole. They're comfortable with their defense figuring it out and their offense being able to just slowly come back into the game. I don't think they're going to abandon stuff. And I think that they're built that way specifically. Like, hey, kudos to John Lynch. He's built a phenomenal franchise. You know what I'm saying? Like, that team doesn't get much better. And when we start talking about weaknesses, we're really nitpicking. I mean, what do you say? Oh, well, the safeties probably could be a little bit better. They could have a little more range. You know, they're Second, starting to yeah, get a little Secondary old. might be the only thing. But they don't have could, to rely on the secondary. So no, they got a great, they got an elite front six, and they can rotate on that front six. You know, the yeah. front four at least. And I say front six because they they only play two linebackers. Yeah. It's Fred Warner, and we talked about him a lot on this show, and Joy Greenlaw. So, you know, I think Brock is in a perfect situation where he can go win a Super Bowl, and he might be able to go get yeah. another one. You know, where yeah, it's just a perfect storm of talent being around him, him just being good enough. And I think that was my, our big question. Is he good enough? Is he? Is there going to be a week where it's going to get figured out and somebody's going to go, yep, this is how you confuse him? Because he's still processing really, really well, too. If they don't trail, it, they don't even have to explore that. And that's the other thing. I'm not trying to discredit Brock, but if they don't get in a spot where they have to face adversity, like what's going to change? They're, they're fine. It, it never even gets to the point where we're like, let's see. Like, no, they're doing whatever they want each week right now. And it's like, all right, well. Like we, we were, they're running their script, and it's it doesn't have to they don't have to adjust they don't have to change anything. So, yeah, it's nothing against him. He played a great game the other night, and um, I don't see you know they play the Buccaneers, they play Philly. Uh, Philly, Philly will be their first real test, I think. Yeah, and their linebackers and and but Philly, their Philly's back. You know, their linebackers and their secondary is not great, so I don't have a lot of faith. I think the front the front four or five is going to have to really wreck things for a bit to get Philadelphia in a spot to expose anything, any flaws. That well, the they, I don't have. think you're going to see Brock get exposed period, but I'm just saying that Philadelphia as a whole offense. will be the first game. Yeah. It'd be a first game yeah. that they get a chance. Yeah. You know, where we, we see them in real adversity. Cause in the NFC, you've got 
Philadelphia, you got San Francisco, and you got Detroit. And Detroit, there's a little bit of a gap between those two. Right. So you it's, know? it's not going to happen. Buccaneers might test them. But that seems unlikely. No, Buccaneers have to get the run game going. And yeah, they're not going to get the run game going against them. No. Yeah. No, that's not yeah. happening. Yeah. But and anyways. Well, go ahead. Let's 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 talk prospects, man. Let's do it. Let's uh I, I wanna what's been first first six weeks of the season, you've been grinding through the tape. I don't I you probably haven't gone as deep as I have. I've started devoting Thursdays to just strictly FCS players. <laughs> because <clears throat> those guys. You always have Well well here's here's the thing. What I've learned, you know, because I get to do high school football a lot now. Mm-hmm. I'd get obviously scout college guys, and then you gotta keep up with the NFL. I cannot mix those levels on the same day and come away with good evaluations. I feel that, yeah. And yeah. so, so like I was talking, I think it was Greg Moore with the senior ball. I was talking with him at the MTSU game a couple weeks ago, and he was he does the same thing. He works with high school kids, and he was asking me, "What did you figure out?" I said, "Man, I just if I'm if I'm going to high school practice like on Monday, I spend Monday before practice watching tape, high school tape." Like I won't touch. I'll I'll watch the end of the Monday night game, but I'm not sitting there taking notes during it. Right. You know, it's just I'm just watching it as a football game and kind of paying attention and seeing who wins. Basically, you know, like okay, who? Nothing it's serious. It's entertainment that day. Yeah. Tuesday is college. Wednesday college. Thir- Thursday, I typically end up back at practice. So again, high school tape, looking at it and trying to get a feel for you know, the, the next opponent or whatever the focus was on Monday. And then, st- again, sticking strictly to high school Thursday. Friday is the game day, so that's really a high school day again. And then Saturday is just college football. Sunday, NFL. Now, when the high school season ends, I won't be looking at high school tape. So, you know, my calendar will expand a little bit more. But that I've had to separate those days. And there's even a noticeable drop in – FCS to FBS. Yeah. And well, because of that, it's almost like this step, this bridge, this gap between, you know, like high school and 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 college, right? But it's it's a smaller gap than that. So if I w- spend a day where I'm watching FCS guys, I can properly evaluate them because I I'm relative to that level. That's where I started with with the day. That's what I'm rolling through. And that seems to work really well. I feel like my evaluations are way better, you know, just because, hey, if a guy pops in the FCS and he's, you know, running faster than everybody, you can see that. But there's the other little nuances. You can see the problems and everything else in their game, how they won't. It's just if you keep it all relative at the same level, even day, some days I won't even switch conferences. I'll just stick to the same conference. If it's a heavy SEC day on Saturday, it's a heavy SEC day. You know, I think this week it's going to be heavy Pac-12. But again, that's just keeping it relative. So, and that's important too. Like in the off season, I watch a lot of NFL because I hate, well, I just don't think it's smart to not watch NFL and then pretend you can evaluate college kids when you don't even understand like what they're being projected to. Like that's, I know it sounds simple, but a lot of people I think don't take time to evaluate, you know, NFL players and see what the prospects you've been watching have become and like what the environment looks like up there. So I think, yeah, you're right. It's, it's really important to keep it all 
understand what you're watching and how not only your biases, but just like your perceptions can change based off mixing too many things or overloading your brain with information. It's, it's all different, but it, it's, there's a lot of nuance that goes into you know, Mark Jarvis, shout out to him. He's done a lot of work in this field specifically of how to keep your perception and everything perspective the same, you know, in relative to what you're doing. And I, I like his Twitter account uh, and I like everything that he does, the work that the writing and stuff that he puts out, the books he's recommended. He's awesome for that kind of stuff, you know, so. Will Jarvis. He works hard. He does. Yeah. He, 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 you won't talk to him very much because <laughs> no. he's working, <clears throat> yeah. you know, so that's a good thing. Um, but is there any, first half of the season, is there anybody that, you know, that you were surprised by coming into the year? Well, we've talked about him, but um, I well, there's negatives and positives for this list. I have a lot of guys that I'm like, I really expected more. And I, you know, some guys I'm like, I really expected less, but you're surprising me. I think the first positive uh, is Cam Ward, the Washington State quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like last year, I remember being so impressed with. He, it's like he's not Lamar. He's not the twitchiest, freakiest runner, athlete, whatever. But it was like when you watch him, it's like making guys miss is such an art for art form for him. And he's so poised in the pocket. He's so poised out of the pocket. This like he's a true playmaker where you feel like every snap he can do anything he wants and like he's going to wow you. And then he starts off this season and they finally got their first loss against UCLA. UCLA. This past weekend. Yeah. And I mean, UCLA took it to them. He went 19 for 39. I forget what his overall stat line was, but he had two interceptions. They had four turnovers and he looked frustrated. He looked lost, but it was like, you know, like that's bound to happen. This is the FBS. This is a power five. Not every game can be perfect, but I think still to start this year, the way they have and the way he has um, has been amazing. He's got arm talent. He's got, like I said, he's got poise. His placement's a little iffy here and there, but I think, you know, they, they're so, their system is so wide open. Sometimes I'm like, I don't even know if he's really trying to, you know, dial it to in get there it there. Perfect. Yeah. He's yeah, just trying he's to get like, it there. Yeah. He, he, he can just play point guard and just bam, 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 distribute it, distribute it, distribute it. And he's making huge throws downfield. He's a guy that I, you know, last we I think we did talk about him in the offseason. I was like, yeah, he's a day three guy for me. Big time talent. But will he elevate his game? I don't know how high he can go now. I don't know if round one is completely unlikely or improbable, but there's a lot to work with with this kid um, like the arm and athleticism alone. And then when you watch how, you know, calm he is on tape, I, I don't know how you'd look at him and be like, yeah, he can't play in the NFL. He definitely can. It's just how high can he go now with him? It's it's uh first off, he little background info on cam Ward is incarnate word. He walked in in the spring at 21 and was an instant starter started there for two years, transferred to Washington state. Uh, started last year, and obviously he's been the starter this year. I don't think he's missed a game his entire college career so far. So that's a big – that's one of those big little background circle. Oh, okay, we got yeah. a guy that can stay healthy despite being that mobile athlete. He doesn't take hits. He, he doesn't, doesn't. touched. It's weird, man. He finds ways yeah. around. And not. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not this guy. Don't take it this way. But it's Vickish. You know what I'm saying? It's like in the sense of what Michael it's Vick me. had that way of just – being able to get himself out of sticky situations and get out of bounds or get down right before the big hit. You don't see Vic take a lot of hits and Ward's very similar. He's not the type of athlete that Vic was, 
but he's similar in the way that he knows how to craft his way through the field yeah. uh, and avoid those hits. But he's a tick over 6'1", 215. Um, yeah, no, dude. Like I came in the year going, I really like him. And you saw the poise at the end of last year with him, you know, where it seemed like everything was starting to settle for him. He was adjusting to the level, the jump from FCS to FBS, Power 5. Yeah. And it was all and he was playing with that composure, you know, and then with the, the placement, I think you're right. He's it's he flashes great placement, especially yeah. on that deep ball, that yeah. deep ball you can hit. He dials up so beautifully and he's a good enough athlete where you can use him in the run game a little bit if you want. Um, I don't know if you scheme him that way. I think it helps him. He almost seems to work really well, almost as good outside the pocket as uh, as back in. I don't think he comes out this year. I really don't. I was talking to someone. I was talking to uh, David Saba, who's you know asked us questions on a pod. We've talked about him before, but he was talking to me about like seven or eight different quarterbacks, and he was like, "Who do you think comes out?" And I'm like, "It's kind of tough this year." Like I, with Caleb and Drake probably being the locks at one and two, it's hard to know what the, the mindset of the rest of the quarterbacks in this class will be, knowing like I don't have a chance to be one of the top two. I'm definitely. You know, and, and then after that, if they say, well, if I'm not one or two, how far could I realistically fall? And then let's say you're not three or four. Like, you know what I mean? It's I have no idea. I don't really have a feel for it. I, I think it's going to come down to at the end of the year when they all get their grades back from the committee. It, maybe then we'll, you know, we'll get like a better. Well, obviously, they'll declare they won't. But I think that's going to be most. of it. I don't think it's we're going to really feel anything till the very end of the year or probably after, which sucks because. Well, to me, to Jack, you know, looking at last year. There was a, a very obvious trend with quarterbacks. And it was if you can make seven figures in college this year and you're not a lock at day one pick, just go back to school. Them. Yeah, just stay. Just stay. You know, Bo Nix, Michael Penix, these were guys who were in, you know, uh, or Spencer Rattler. Yeah. Sam Hartman. These are all guys we were kind of talking about that day two, day three range. They all went back to school last year. And I think that's legit what it is. is you can go, and Cam Ward's in this situation right now. He can go make seven figures next year as a star quarterback coming back to Washington State, Wazoo, for now. one more year. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying. Like it, coming off a big year, he can go. He can he can rake in some serious money, and to to take that opportunity, that chance. Where where does he go? Like how high does he go? Does he get out? Does he get out of day three? You know, with this quarterback <laughs> class in front of him. It's not because he's a bad quarterback. It's just because there's only so many slots that teams are going to be willing to take a quarterback that early, and there's so many other options of guys that can't go back. Hartman, Knicks, Phoenix. Rattler, I think, might be able to go back for another year, but I can't remember. He might be done after this. Um, uh, he's in his fifth year. I think he's done. Rattler's done. I can't remember if he took a red shirt or not that freshman year. He might have taken a red shirt. If he took a red shirt, he's got one more. But... <laughs> That's, but my, it's that's also, my point. It's also like he plays for Washington State, which and he's in that wide open air rate. Like it's it's not the most ideal thing that like that teams are looking for. They don't look like who's at Washington State and who, you know, like you're in that wide open. So I know it's not impossible, but I'm just saying like it's not like he plays for Georgia where it's like hey, okay, who, you're on the map. Who, wasn't, there, wasn't there a Washington State quarterback in the NFL this week that just like took over I'm for not, a rookie quarterback hey, and I'm not saying they don't want him. I'm just saying, <clears throat> look, he's not in the SEC. 
He's not even in, you know, USC or UCLA. It's Washington State, so he's going to get that that knock. That's always going to be that little knock where it's like, yeah, okay. And their system is so open, and so he just plays a brand of ball that, <clears throat> not that it doesn't translate, but I think it's not. He has some things that go against him when you think about like the prototypes. Okay, and that might go so so here's he, if that's the case, if he's going to sit down with somebody like an agent or somebody, and they're going to tell right. him this, which. I, I can't imagine he doesn't. You know what I'm saying? I can't imagine he just spurns every single agent or player manager or whoever wants to get in involved in his career. Right, right. I can't I can't see that. So he he'll be eligible to grad transfer. Bro, yeah. Go somewhere else. Go to Kentucky oh. or Don't, any, don't yeah. go to Kentucky. Don't go to Kentucky. Kentucky. No. What am I uh... <laughs> Bama could use a quarterback. They might be interested. Right. <clears throat> Throw your name out there. See what happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I think he can play anywhere. I just, like I said, I, I don't, it's nothing against him. I just think those small things are not, when an NFL team sits down and says, we got an, a few SEC guys and a Big 12 guy or Washington State. Look, it's not a not power five, but I just think that's he's going to get that. They, they, that and headspace. they might not be power five next year. They might have to drop down. Like, I, and it, they might have dropped down to like Mountain West or somebody right. just Eminem out of State circumstance. Or, yeah. Right, right. So, uh, yeah, I love the kid. I love his game. I don't know if if you said, yeah, he becomes a second round pick. I'd say, yeah, that sounds completely normal. Like, I, I understand that he's he's a great player. He's a great athlete. You can do a lot worse. Um, so I don't know. But yeah, he, he's been a huge surprise this year. I, I love watching Washington State football. And that's a weird thing for me to say, because, you know, they're not always hey, they're, the they're fine. They're yeah. fine. Yeah. They've, they've and, been and, a, and a lot of it really is on him making it fun. He's been phenomenal. Um, yeah, there's he's I, I he's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I know that I talked about it too when I was making my all underrated team this year. It was either going to be him or it was going to be Jaden Daniels at Kansas, who's missed a few weeks uh, now, a couple games now with an injury that apparently he sustained before playing Texas. Um, that was interesting. Yeah, that's yeah. confusing. What? That was it. That was that was confusing. But it's interesting. Jalen Daniels now being out exposes how bad Kansas can be without him, and how good he actually kind of is. Because I, you know, he's yeah, five on the, yeah. Because like, yeah, Jason Bean is is eh. not the same, not the same no. type of player. And you no. look at Jalen Daniels, and you're like, all right, Kansas, like no one cares. He's five eleven. That's that sucks. But then you just watch him. And you watch Kansas with him, and you're like, this is an exciting team that can score a will, take him out. And now I think it's kind of beneficial for him moving forward because it, he's it's there's a, clearly a drop off on that team now. Yeah. But absolutely. So there's another uh there's another five eleven quarterback that kind of balled out this weekend too. Dylan Gabriel for Oklahoma. Oh yeah, no. <laughs> so so we were talking we were talking about this, I think. It was you and me, wasn't it? Maybe. I think it was you and me. We talked this past week. I can't remember. So uh, I was going into that Texas game, looking at Dylan Gabriel. I was thinking, you watch the Oklahoma offense. They struggle to throw the ball down the field. When they do, they get some crazy lucky break because it's 10 balls, 10 yards underthrown, and the receiver makes this awesome break. The DB never sees it. I mean, that Iowa State game, I didn't see a single good deep ball from Dylan Gabriel. You know, they played that right before playing Texas. And I was going, 
man, if Oklahoma is going to come in here and try to air the ball down the field against Texas, eh, it's not going to work. And to my surprise and my utter disbelief, he the first deep throw he took was completed. It was only five yards under thrown. And then he came back with another one that went, it was the best deep ball I've ever seen him throw, and the dude dropped it. Yeah. But he was he played with some real real awesome moxie in that game. Yes, he did. Um, real poise, especially in those two-minute drives at the end of each half. And, yeah, Dylan Gabriel definitely, definitely popped this week. Absolutely. He is – I'm going to get in trouble for saying that. Like, he's the Oklahoma Brock Purdy as far as, like, when they ask him to just stay within his range and kind of – distribute the ball and you know don't don't try anything that might get you in trouble he's great i think the craziest thing about watching that game was there was a clear gap in like which quarterback had command of their offense and which one kind of just looked like not shell-shocked but every play you're kind of like he doesn't look like he's in command he doesn't look confident Ewers was not the guy that he was built like this past saturday he was not the guy he's been billed as. That was a game where I was like, dude, you're not draftable right now. Like, you don't look confident in decision making. Every ball you throw, you're short arming because you're kind of feathering it in there. There's no drive on your balls. You don't understand your own placement because you might have too much arm talent and you haven't figured out your lower body mechanics yet. You're just, like, it was just one of those games where the inferior talent was the better player that day. Like, he was the better football player. He probably won't become the better prospect. He's not. But he outplayed Quinn Ewers, and he kept his team on schedule. And, you know, I mean, that was just a fantastic game, the way they came back to win at the end. So it was it was one of those things where, yeah, he might have made himself a little bit of money. His throwing motion's ugly. His arm's weak. He's a lefty. He's 5'11". But maybe he pulls a Stetson Bennett and gets drafted in the sixth or seventh round and makes a roster somewhere. If he well, Stetson got drafted in the fourth, you got to remember. So... Was Dexton a fourth? Yeah, he's a fourth rounder, bro. I always he went before Aiden was... O'Connell, man. <laughs> Why do I always? I, I feel like I flipped those two in my head because the other day I was talking to someone and I was well, like, Aiden. Oh, Aiden was a fourth rounder too. So okay, okay, wait. There, there's yeah. someone else I'm thinking of, but I like I loved Aiden O'Connell, by the way. But whatever. Maybe Dylan Gabriel pulls anyone else that was later day three because <laughs> he looked good. He looked good against Texas. I mean, that's to me that game with Dylan is a bit of an anomaly because that was the best game we'd seen him play. And maybe right. he needs against the, the pressure best team though against the best team. And that's what evaluators are going to say. Like who is the best team they played this year? But, 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 I know. but the, the, the other games, what about the other games? The other team. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, <laughs> I'm just saying it, 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 is it better that he played great against bad teams and, or great against bad teams and bad against the good teams or the vice versa? Like all I'm saying is he did the best thing he could do. And he balled out on a big stage. So, you know, there was nothing more he could have done. It might do nothing for him overall. He might suck the rest of the year. But that's if you're going to turn it around and make people take note, that's a good start, I think. I just want to see him build off of that performance. Yeah. You know what I'm I saying? I draft him, but yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, continue. build off the performance. I, I, yeah, no, I, he definitely, he definitely pot got people's attention. I just, I actually, I had actually done the homework going into that game because I knew that was going to be the first game I was going to watch. I hadn't really seen Oklahoma all year, and I went back and I looked at games, and I was just like, oh boy. Yeah, no, I, you know, I, I did not think they had a shot going into that game because I was like, no. Quinn is going to outplay Gabriel, and it's going to be, you know, Texas will win now, by two scores. 
the other thing you can point to with Ewers is, is Ewers ever going to see a defense like that again? Because Brent Venable's defense, we've talked about it extensively on this show, yeah. has a way of just being so confusing because they don't do it like anybody else does. They'll put on pressure looks that are so stupid looking sometimes, but you're like, oh, man, they just confused the crap out of the quarterback today. That's I love Brett Venable's stuff, dude. I love oh, me too. Me, I love I love studying it, but nobody uses it outside of him. He's the only He's dude the, that's that's crazy enough to try it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I love it. Um, well, I mean, Quinn Ewers. Let's. I don't know who else he plays. When you go when you go look at the Kansas game the week before, I know the Kansas we we kind of write them off, but Lance Leipold has built that into a very solid team in the Big Twelve, yeah. which is okay. It's a Big Twelve, but they're solid. You know what I'm saying? He ripped them apart in the second half. This has been a slow starting offense all year. It takes them a little while to get adjusted and make all their checks and get everything rolling, and then they roll, you know? But he really he ripped Kansas apart. Yeah. Uh, he ripped Alabama apart. Alabama I, couldn't figure it out. I think Sarkeesian gets, should get more credit, too. I watched the All-22 of the Bama-Texas game, and I couldn't believe what Sark was doing to the safeties and linebackers and nickels for Alabama. Like it was a master class. And I came away even live after that game thinking like, I don't Quinn Ewers didn't really like move the needle for me today. You know, he kind of just did his part, but I'd like to see him be more of like the catalyst for the win versus just kind of the kid that, you know, steered the vehicle. I thought Sark, you know, and Sark knows Saban so well. So coming into that game, I'm like, this is going to be great. It's going to be a good chess match of coaches. Um, but I, I like the Queen Ewers stat line after the Oklahoma game looked so good. But I'm like, if you watch that game, that was not his best game by any means. Um, but I think the stat, you know, the stat watchers are going to say it was great. But I just can't get over the way that he looks when he throws a football lately. It's just he's not a confident thrower. He's not a confident passer. He doesn't look like he understands his own placement. And like we talked about, the biggest knock on Quinn coming into this year was his lower body sucks. Like he's all arm. His deep balls flow, even though he has a cannon, just because he's not his kinetic chain blows right now. He doesn't understand it. I think he probably needs another year. I hope he doesn't come out. I think he needs another year, and he. Can oh, he he's player. not coming out. I hope not. People think people think he is, and I don't think so. But I don't know. No, no. With look, look. Texas is the arguably the school that puts up the most nil money out of any of them. I right. guess USC is probably very close, but Texas is like top dollar. He's not coming out this year. He's hope, not a lock for a first round pick. No, no, no way. No way. And Texas is going to okay. throw so much money at him to stay because he's their prodigal son returned from Ohio State. You know, so like they're going to throw a ton of money at him. Yeah. And I, hope take, so. I hope so. Yeah. He'll take another year. Yeah. He's, he's not going anywhere. I can't, I can't see that happening. I like it. Good to hear. Now, now, one of the things, too, is up until last week, Caleb Williams looked like the number one pick. Everybody was talking about it. I think you and I were still kind of over here going, well, it's still early in the year. Did you watch him against Arizona yet? Did you get around to looking at that tape? I just watched it live. Just watched it live. I, I oh, you stayed it. up for that one. No, no, no. I watched it live after the fact. Like, I recorded <laughs> it, watched it live after. Okay. I was like, I want to okay. know. Yeah, yeah. But I was like, I, I'd like to watch the broadcast first before I get into it because I'm like, I want to know how it felt, you know, watching it in the moment. I want to know like how big the, the play was, how big the stage was, like the emotions of it all. It was interesting. <laughs> it was interesting. And I think Intr you, yeah. 
are onto something with Lincoln Riley's system is not it got a lot it, it used to get probably a lot more credit than it might start to get soon it looks like you can't just say hey Caleb you're special we're going to run three and four verts all game figure it out and think you're going to blow every team out each week and that's kind of what he's doing and it's ugly it's kind of getting a little ugly for Caleb and I don't I don't love that yeah so in that game triple overtime Arizona takes them down to the wire at home, might I add. Mm-hmm. Wasn't wasn't Arizona wasn't hosting. And 43-41, they escape with the win. And I think it was the first time somebody was able to disrupt that system. You know, maybe we can make an argument and say that Colorado kind of did there in the fourth quarter against USC. But this this was a, a game long type deal where Caleb made some really special plays. Yeah, uh, but that, that whole first quarter, about five minutes into the second quarter, was some really ugly football. Yes, very <laughs> ugly. Feel like he was running for his life. He couldn't. You were starting to see some of the pocket issues. Uh, this is a rebuild offensive line that's so stacked with talent that they shouldn't be giving up this kind of pressure. Uh, it's, the other thing with it too is, and it, it's probably the nature of the system. It doesn't help his internal clock. Sometimes no. he holds on to the ball way too long and walks himself into sacks. Well, it enables that backyard ball crap that we and like we've seen Kyler do it. We, Kyler played in it. We saw Jalen Hurts do it. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks in this Riley system, and they're all backyard guys. Like Jalen Hurts' whole career at Oklahoma was first read isn't there, roll right and figure something out. Either run or throw it open. Kyler Murray looked like an outfielder in that system. He would just run around until he found a deep shot and launch it. And now it's like Caleb is kind of doing the same thing. And I don't think it's his fault, but yeah, it's not an on-time offense. It's not a rhythm offense. It's not a, it's not even really creative. It's just, we're better than you. We have a great quarterback and it's going to work for us. And it is, but like not for long, you know, they're going to lose at some point. And I don't know how Alex, one of my, I wrote down one of my uh, fallers, we did risers, you know, follow this week. Alex Grinch, how does he have a job? How does the <laughs> defensive coordinator for USC have a job? He, he leaves Oklahoma after giving them horrendous defenses for I don't know how long. Now he's at USC. And I mean, like, I think some high school teams could throw 50 on them. It's awful. I don't know about the high school teams, but you know, like, like throw modern day out there, like go down the road to modern day high school and see what they could do. It just feels like, why are you guys so bad? That's what I can't figure out. Why is it always Alex Grinch's system is stupid for, I get it, but like how does USC get so much talent and they just can't stop people? I want Caleb to be in the playoff. <laughs> Selfishly. <laughs> I'm like, come on. Like completely. It's, it's not going to be USC. They're not going to be in the not. playoff. No, I know it's not, but it's yeah, going to be, if I had to take a guess today, it'd be Oregon. Ooh. If, I guess we'll see if they can beat Washington. That'll be the big test. Right that'll there. be the, that'll be their big test this week. Winner of that probably. Well, Washington has a tough schedule remaining. To, yeah, but anyway, I, I think or, I think Oregon, Oregon goes this year. I mean their their defense is playing lights out. That's a riser to talk about. Yeah, and I'm not even talking about Bo Nix. I'm Just talking Oregon. about Kyrie yeah. Jackson, bro. Alabama transfer cornerback. Yeah, let me pull up my profile on him. Cornerback. Transferred from Alabama, 
His Kari knuckles, Jackson is having his himself a year. Around when he walks, bro, the the wingspan on that kid. Like we talked about that a few weeks ago. There's times where I'm like, he's not in phase. He might get beat, and then he jumps, and I'm like, dude, I don't get how you found that ball. It's how picture perfect. Oh, he's so good. Picture he's perfect. Good. Yeah. Uh, very smooth hips. He's six two, just a tick over six two, one ninety eight. I thought he would. I mean, man coverage, lockdown corner is what he looks like. Yeah. If if we could draft players off of one game after that Colorado game, he is a f- top five prospect. Yeah, but you put a highlight reel up, it was like all the reps from that game. You're like, oh, yeah, one, there's one, there's one, there's one. He had yeah. three pass deflections. They were all on deep balls where he played trail and then recovered right into it and knocked the ball away and was perfect. I mean, yeah. I couldn't believe watching that game, just how good he was. Now, even when he's in zone coverage, I thought he, I think his positioning is top notch. He gets just enough depth. He knows he feels his own really well. He's an absolute ball hawk. I mean, he finds he just finds the football, dude. That's all there is to it with him. He's a JUCO transfer from Fort Scott. Did three years in the Bama system. First year this year at Oregon. I mean, this is a prototype cornerback for a match four system. I mean, and that's what half the NFL is running right now. Yeah. Yeah. So to me, I think that we kind of came in this year thinking Kool-Aid McKinnistry at Alabama was probably the number one corner. Well, and the guy still, that they he still might be, but there's competition. There's Kyrie Kyrie's Kyrie is throwing up a real fight. You know what I'm saying? Like I think that you're gonna look at the length that Kyrie has. I had this um I think I taught you weren't on the show yet. We still had Matt, uh, who's doing a great job at Houston, by the way. Now when when I had this theory and looking at history, six two corners do not typically translate well to the NFL when they're outside of a zone system. They just don't. It's tough. Yeah, it's tough. It seems like when you're in man coverage, you have to be able to react faster. And when you have a that just that little bit of extra higher center of gravity, it's really hard for you to get into a position where you can react to a pass and break it up or make a play on the ball. And so that was my big concern, you know, when I was watching sauce Gardner, like we've seen sauce do a really great job in zone coverage. But as soon as you put him man on man, good luck. I hope he wins it. He started to have his struggles in the NFL. He started. And that's what it is, is it's always when he's in man coverage. It's never when he's in zone. Yeah. It's, it's tough for those guys to transition smoothly and not lose ground, you know, but when I, the, the argument is, oh, well, if they're 6'2", they got the length to make up for it. Well, maybe you have to have absolute extraordinary length to make up for it. Kyrie Jackson has it. You got to have this is too, though. You this is the, the first. Burst. Well, yeah, yeah but it's, it's also, yeah, the recovery burst, the short burst, is that's a huge part of it, yeah. He has but that. he's, he's like you mentioned, he's abnormally long. Yeah. I mean... He might just be the guy. This is the first six-two corner I've looked at, and I've gone lockdown man corner in my life ever. And I watched Sauce Gardner. I was not impressed. I watched Tariq Woolen. Not JC, impressed. JC Horn maybe. JC wasn't quite six-two. Doesn't wasn't come in six-two. No, okay. but I thought he was his own guy, anyways. So that's the thing is, I look at this guy and I think man coverage. He's capable. He's really good in zone two. That is perfect for match four. That's perfect for match four. So these 
all there's there's literally half the leagues running it right now. And, and match roll four out is match basically four. for people that don't. It's basically man, but it's like a man zone hybrid. Yeah, it's like it's yeah. You're in man coverage, or you're matching. You're in you're in zone coverage. But you're pattern matching, and so you're gonna end up in man basically at some point. It is how I don't know how to like to better to explain it without. So so here's how it is. Here's how it works. So actually, here's here's what's funny is the high school that I work that I that I do stuff with over here. They run match four. They don't call it match four, but it's match four. Mm-hmm. And so what they do is they have this thing. It's called cut. That's when they go to their two deep. And cut means that you're going to give. If you're the outside corner and he goes inside, you're going to hand it off and take the flat. Yes. yes. That's match four. Yeah, you have rules okay, based so, on one and two. If what you know, if two inside of seven yards cuts out, outside corner takes him. And then your safety will have like the vertical or the number one. It's very, you have to, your eyes have to be quick. You have to process information fast. You get the advantage of starting in zone and then you kind of get to chase a man. Cause I played it in college as well. We played it exclusively all the time and I did it in semi pro a little bit. It's really cool, but you can get, if you forget your rules for, bro, half a second, cooked. cooked. Yeah, you get, yeah, you get toasted. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But that's my point is, half the league's running this right now because you teach professionals how to run this system and they can run it really well. And yeah, you're going to have, you have your weaknesses. I mean, the chiefs absolutely abused it. The super bowl in the second half when they came out there with those little whip routes, show the motion inside and then last second, come back out when they've already passed off the assignment. Now nobody's there kind of deal. Or if it was a follow rule, whatever they got. So Match four, yeah, match four, depending on how you're lucking it, what you're, where you bring your blitz looks, it's going to change a little bit and stuff, but it's basically a man's own hybrid. So if you've got a guy like Kyrie Jackson, that's perfect for that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's a, I'm not even overthinking it. That's just a no brainer. It's like you watch that and you go, yep, top 10 pick right there because yeah. he can play match four. He, I, he's one of those guys where I'm like, let's, I want to see how he tests. I don't have doubts he'll test great, but I'm like, you know, if he runs four six three, I'm still taking him. I yeah, I'm still like, taking him if he runs four six three because I guarantee you he's going to have. It's either going to be between ten to twenty or twenty to forty, where it's going to be insane. <laughs> yeah. Probably, probably. It just it does change something. It's, it's one of those things where we look at history and we're like, all right, let's line up all the what is it? There's like that uh, people on Twitter post it all the time, and it's like any corner who ever has run four five nine or slower. Here's the list of the guys that have been drafted, and it's like the worst list of all time. Like, not well, Rondé single... Barber's on that list too. So yeah, you know, so there's he's like in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> but there's like, but he's the exception, not the rule, right? There's like exactly. one yeah. guy ever that's done it. So it's it's always interesting. Like I, I used to be a little against the testing. I'm like, no, I saw you can play. Like I, I'm stubborn. You can play, but then there is more to it, and teams are going to look at this big time. Like that's what I've learned working in this industry. Long is like the checklist that teams have are so important. And they put so much time into all these little things that sometimes we write off because we're media and our jobs don't depend on it. But like, you know, teams are like, we have, dude, like if I'll get fired tomorrow, if this guy doesn't work out. So it's, it's one of those things. Oh, absolutely. And, and, but when you look at a guy like Kyrie, man, oh my God, like, just yeah, it's hard not to like him. He's a top. He, there's no way he runs under a four six, man. There's no way he's he's gonna be a four four guy. I I think so. I think so. But like I said, he might like, even slide up to like four three seven. Do something stupid like that. It's just one. It's just like we were talking about a few weeks ago. Like Marvin Harrison Jr. 
it, you just want those checklists to kind of fill the boxes in. So you're like, ah, oh, peace of mind. Like we talk about all these receivers and we're like, oh, they're great. They're great. And then the, you know, the one you like most comes out and runs four, six, five. You're like, mother of God, like that was, <laughs> I didn't need that today. Now I'm going to overthink it. Or maybe that's something I shouldn't, maybe that's a red flag I shouldn't overlook. So um, like in this receiver class is great, by the way, uh, in the Oklahoma game that we were just talking about, Jaleel Farouk, uh senior he's six one two or he's a junior junior six one two oh four had a little coming out party i mean he had he had a great last year but it was really good to see him kind of be the playmaker for oklahoma against texas you know you know what my big concern with him was when i saw that what one trick pony i have that same uh, jalen hyatt right jalen hyatt wasn't wasn't that is that who was going through your head uh no so like Farouk is thicker to me and he's better with the ball in his hands like after the catch he's physical and he can kind of but I'm I'm more like what do you look like downfield like can I ask you to run real routes and what do you look like there you, that's yeah. and that's that's my concern I don't think he has great feet but I think he's at least making a name for himself as like all right he's draftable he might not run the whole tree but he's he's a draftable guy because I mean he had a great game and. Another receiver who had a great game. Did you see Malik Neighbors from LSU? He's had a great year, dude. Oh, he's had he's a been insane. He's, he's been insane. Absolutely. So I, I I have it's not a hot take, but it's one. It's just something that's on my mind because I was talking about it the other day again with somebody a different conversation about the what what class was it? Um, Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy, C.D. Lamb, and Henry Ruggs. That class, Lavisca Chenault. So yeah. in that class. Justin Jefferson, you know, it's not even close. He's the best receiver from that class, right? Well, Judy got the Bama Bama bump, and everyone's, you know, he has highlight reel route running, blah, blah, blah. C.D. Lamb was making really cool catches against the Big 12. So we're like, all right, he's cool, cool. Henry Ruggs is the fastest kid that's ever lived. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you want to make a joke, but don't. I'm not uh, going to. Nope. Yeah, I saw your face. I was like, oh, shit. Leaving that one alone. <laughs> <laughs> and then you got Justin Jefferson, who fast – but not the fastest. Okay size, but definitely not the biggest. Played in the slot uh, his senior year. Played in the outside junior, but he blew up in the slot. So now you're like, is he a slot guy only? My thing was, he's the... I thought... Look, and I've been wrong before, so I'm not patting myself on the back here like, oh, I'm smart. I'm an idiot most of the time. But Justin Jefferson was clearly to me like the best of the bunch. I'm like, there's just... He does that. He's like the mixture of everything of all these guys has enough size. So you can't say, Oh, well, CD's bigger. He's definitely, but Justin Jefferson had great hands. He had great route running. He might've not been highlight reel like Judy, but I'm like, the kid understands separation. He's great with the ball in his hands. He tracks downfield. Well, we've seen him have outside reps. I watched Malik neighbors this year and I'm like, all right, he's six feet, 200 pounds. He might come in a little smaller. I'm not sure that's hundred percent, but this class has a lot of big guys that are like the highlight reel big guys. Keon Coleman, Romo Duns, Marvin Harrison Jr. Then you have Malik Neighbors, who he's smaller than all of them. He, which, which immediately, you know, puts him, bumps him down because we, we, you know, we think, all right, these other guys are great. They're fast too. What makes Neighbors go over him? I just have this feeling that we might in five years from now think, why was he not the top receiver taken? Like you look at the kids' tape, you look at him just raging against the sec and but we're going to draft three guys over him because they were taller 
I'm not saying I'm going to come out with him having the highest grade, but I think he's such a good player, and it would not shock me if in four to five years he's the best of the bunch and he's an elite NFL receiver because he's doing it right now and he doesn't really lack anything. I can't find a knock on his game other than he's only six feet, you know. And that's not the biggest. That's not a. That's not a huge knock. That's enough size. So I could be an idiot. I could be crazy, but I just watch him and think like the, everything he does translates, and it's it's like there's no question about it he's gonna be one of these guys that you rotate through every spot every slot that you possibly have to put a wide receiver on and that you're gonna use that as a, as a mismatch type deal you know and he's got a couple of good guys around him too that help him you know uh i think brian george is one of them that's looked really good so far number 11 maybe it's brian thomas um Oh, yeah, I can't remember the, and then the tight end helps out as well. It also helps too when you got a quarterback that can run like Jaden Daniels can. So as much right. as I would love to see somebody knock that goofy smir- smirk off his face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's mean. I shouldn't say that. Oh, uh, but but no, but like that's the thing is, yeah, I could see it too. And, and the one thing that he kind of separates himself from a lot of these guys is his run after catchability. He's got crazy run after catchability. And it's because he's built like a running back. Yeah, you know? he's and, not too big. Like, he's not too big to where he has that limitation of, you know, I'm a long strider, I build up speed. It's just everything he does is effortless because he's right in that middle area of, like, you're not small, you're not huge, but you – almost like Jamar Chase, where it's like mm-hmm. his size is actually kind of a positive because dude built like that should not run in the four threes and outrun, you know, NFL corners and safeties each week, but they, he does. And Neighbors is doing that in the SEC. And day and and Debo Samuel had similar knocks on him when he came out, and he's turned out to be an absolute playmaker. Where he's a little bit smaller, not yeah, much, smaller. not as fast though as neighbors. But yeah, neighbors does have knocks. some speed. Yeah, but there's similar knocks. You know where it's like similar similar skill set where you, we weren't sure if that was going to work yet, and obviously it does. So yeah, I could see neighbors probably going top twenty in this class. And I then, mean, if he, if he runs a four three something, he might go higher than that. This class oh, yeah, doesn't. He'd, he'd be top ten with that. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. brought up something a few weeks ago with Marvin Harrison Jr. Maybe that was the last pod we had. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting against Maryland this past weekend. He did his best work when he got free releases and kind of got to run through space. And watching him, oh shoot, who was it? Uh, oh, Notre Dame, the Notre Dame freshman that covered him. For he's legit. Time. Yeah. First off, he's legit, but he <laughs> fought Marvin Harrison Jr. all game and frustrated the crap out of him. And it was one of those things that we talked about before as well, where it's like, we want to see Marvin Harrison Jr. like physically manhandle people and be this like otherworldly prospect. And you've said before, he's, I don't know if he's like the true ex that you want to be that guy. It's starting to look like that might be the case. I don't know what that does for his stock. I don't even know if that's a big enough knock to where I'm like, I should drop him at all because he's still special in a lot of things he does. But I do think it's something to point out because Notre Dame and and, and last year, Deontay Banks on Maryland just worked him. And it was like, yeah, he produced a little bit, but like you can see these guys are just not his cup of tea. And then he goes against Maryland this past week and they kind of let him run and he had a game and he looked comfortable when he's in space. He looks comfortable getting that free release and kind of getting into his route stem early, or you know, and he kind of dictates terms. Like I said, I don't know what I want to do with that information, but it's definitely something I've taken note of, and I think it's good that you pointed it out because 
he might not be that guy that we think he is where he's I think he's being talked about right now like he's Calvin freaking Johnson and he might be a top 10 pick still maybe even top five but I think there is something to when you watch this year's tape it's going to be clear that I don't, he doesn't like hands on him. It's it's just not what he thrives on. Where I think Keon Coleman and even Rome O'Duns from Washington might be a little better in that department, where they're more able bodied when it comes to you know the hand fighting and the the being physical at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and they are. They are. That's the thing, you know. But and you know he he made some really good catches, obviously. Yeah in that game too, where he showed he can go through contact. I mean, he's shown that before he's had some yeah, real yeah. highlight. He's got his hand strength's great, but yeah, like you said, he, he don't like, he don't like that press coverage, man. And if I'm an opposing defense and I'm the other thing I, I, I think that's worth pointing out is you have a guy uh, that is being regarded right now as the best wide receiver in the country. I mean, you listen to ESPN Game Day, you listen to Fox Noon Kickoff, you listen to all those different broadcasts. They're all, oh yeah, without question, he's the number one wide receiver in the country. That means that, like, especially in the case of that Notre Dame game, if you're that freshman corner that's tasked with guarding him, you are giving him every bit of hell that you possibly can. Because he he gets players best every week. Every week. And that's that's another thing that, you know, you want to see out of a guy is he handles that. You you handle taking the best shot everybody's got at you every week. And there's been yeah. a couple games this year that he shouldn't have been. And he's been quiet. Yeah. And I think it's fine if he's quiet on the stat sheet, but you go back and watch the game and you're like, okay, they just like, you know, they rolled coverage to him. It wasn't necessary for them to get him the ball to win but like against notre dame i'm like they could use indiana you. too yeah indiana they could too use you to win some of these reps buddy like you kind of gotta pull your weight here like be the, the guy other the, the other thing too is their quarterback play is nowhere near what it was the last few years you know what uh, i'm saying mccord is no stroud Mm-mm. mccord yeah. mm. he underthrew there was a, i mean uh harrison had an easy easy touchdown on that long ball over the field where he catches it Ducks contact and then runs and fall, whatever. If you watch it on, was it already the on Whatever. He's so open before the ball is even there, and then he underthrows it, so he has to slow up, catch it. Like that's a house call if it's a good throw. So he does, you know, he deserves credit for like he is insane. He's a crazy talent, but I just think like it's those first five for yards. Him, if you yeah. watch all his reps, you're like, uh, it's not for him to dictate to to dictate the, the defender. He has to have space. He has to have time to yeah. operate to set him up and if you press him and throw hands at him and do everything you can to knock him off of that he doesn't he doesn't respond to that yet it's not his favorite not no. his favorite so yeah yeah but yeah so before we go ahead and wrap this thing up because we're at an hour that was time a quick hour too. and having fun buddy nashville's nashville's brought it to three two just saying um Shane's <laughs> back there going Shane's back there going yeah you'll see yeah Wearing the oh, Roman Yo- Yossi jersey back there. Yep. So uh, before we wrap this thing up, is there a guy that maybe from a smaller school that you've observed that really stood out to you so far this year? Funny you should ask, buddy. Uh, Texas State just beat Nevada 35-24. Okay. And their running back, Ismail, Ismail Mahdi. 
smaller yeah. dude, but he ran for 216 yards on those boys. Um, he kind of reminds me of the Bronco rookie, Jaleel McLaughlin. Mm-hmm. Like small, burst, speed, uh, angle eraser. You know, he's not going to be for every team. He's not going to be a flashy high prospect or anything like that. But, like, you can't watch his games and deny that this kid has something to him. And, uh, like, some of those plays that he ran against Nevada, I'm like, oh, it's it's not going to go anywhere. And then, you know, he turns the corner and boom, gone. So I don't really get into small school players to, like, the end of the year usually. But he made me take note kind of early. So, I mean, that was a crazy hey, that was Texas a great State. game. And, yeah. And they're, yeah, they've upset Baylor this year. Um, they're not a slouch. They're not a slouch this year. And I think he's a big part of it. He's a big part of it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely he is. I'm going to make sure I get this dude's pronunciation properly before I get mine. But Texas State has been uh, absolutely a great offense to watch. I'm becoming a huge um What's his name? Uh, G G J G K G J G J Kenny. He's yeah, a head coach. G G J G J. He actually used to be. Um, he used to be a uh, uh, quarterback. He's a third string quarterback in the NFL for a few years. I think he was in Philadelphia for a little while because that's why I remember him. And then he goes to Incarnate Word. He's their head coach. I think for maybe a year, maybe it was two. I think it was one year. And he gets this job at Texas State and flips the roster through the transfer portal, and boom, they explode. Um, They've been a lot of fun to watch. I can't find a pronunciation for this guy, so I'm just going to probably slaughter his name. Just butcher Uh, it. New Hampshire running back Dylan Lobby. This guy is something else. Okay? Yeah? Yeah, no, no, no. Now I'm talking small school, but... Jim Nagy, Eric Galco, all those like, you know, all-star game people are taking notes of this guy. He's entered the year considered a high priority free agent. But one thing that we've seen kind of pop in the NFL so far is the rise of the running receiver. Okay. Guys that are running back slash wide receiver combos with a lot of speed or quickness or whatever it is, and using them all across the formation. You can pretty much name me an NFL team, and I can tell you who the running receiver is on that team. It's just popped out of nowhere. Everybody's using it now. So in the case of Dylan, he fits that perfectly. There's several teams that are still trying to figure that out right now, who is going to be their guy. You got contract years coming up for some of these guys. You can draft a guy later in the draft like this guy and use him for four years in this role. And he's ready to go now. He's He doesn't have great speed. He's not a guy that's going to blow you out of the water with his testing. But his short burst is what really makes him stand out. He's an excellent receiver. He's got really decent contact balance. Acceleration is, uh, is seamless. Like he goes from zero to 60 like that, which is why he's got the short burst. His long speed, it catches up to him. But he's got enough short burst where he can create a really good gap and get a really good gain. And he's a really good route runner. We're talking almost 5'10", 204 pounds. Okay. okay. Yeah, he's a, he's built really well. And he looks like a, a really solid running receiver next level. Really? And he'll probably be at the Senior Bowl, man. He'll probably be at the Senior Bowl. So if we got a chance to get you down the Senior Bowl this year and we get the chance to yeah. catch up to the pod live, yeah. front yeah. location. I think that's it. very doable this year. Yeah. 
That'd be Absolutely. Cool. You said New Hampshire running back. Yeah. Receiver. New Hampshire. Wow. Yeah. In fact, the, the game, the game that he, <laughs> they actually got a <laughs> couple of edge rushers too, man. Actually, that are, that might be playing on Sundays, but um, in the case of, of of this guy, he blew up on the scene because he had a game where he had twenty rushing yards, but like two hundred receiving yards. Ooh, I can't remember who they played, but he just. I'm gonna go give this kid a whirl. He's worth it. it. Yeah, that's cool. All right, good. So- name. I guess that's where we're going to end this thing. Thank you for tuning in to the Sick Podcast. Be sure that you check out this show on YouTube. We're also now, I believe, on Megaphone. So it's getting around. I, I know it's on Apple Podcasts now because I've gone ahead and spammed that link a little bit to you know Twitter followers. Uh, make sure that you follow us on over there at Sick Pod NFL Draft. Follow him at Gam Scout. Follow me at Draft Vogel. And yeah, I think that's about all we got for you. Make sure also. The rest of the network's great, guys. You can get done listening to this, and you can go listen to Adam Rank talk about the Chicago Bears. You can talk, listen to Tony uh, Mariano break down this thing right here where Nashville's tied it 3 at 3, 10 55 yep, to play. Baby, yes, Smashville. And uh, all those, uh, we got all kinds of different sports. Tampa Bay, uh, JC Allen down there is killing it. He brought on the Buccaneers offensive coordinator. Mm. Oh. Pittsburgh podcast is killing it. So yeah, we got stuff for all kinds of different stuff. So be sure that you check out those those shows as well. Shane, get us out of here. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Draft Vogel on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.